Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. Well, welcome to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I'm Jonathan Shuttlesworth. Glad to be joining you for fasting and prayer day 12. You've crested the hill. You're on the other side of the mountain. Three great things that happen to your life when you fast and pray. Three great things that happen to your life when you fast and pray. Great to have you watching from all over the world. Taylor in Hobbs, New Mexico. Penny, Alonzo, Gerald in New Jersey. I disagree, Gerald. Gerald said good morning from the armpit of, New- of America, New Jersey. I like New Jersey. It's my daughter's. One uh, Ocean City, New Jersey is my daughter's favorite place to go. Arizona, don't rub it in. Testimony on day 12. Ah, can you scroll up? No, you can't scroll up. Scott, Bruce, I want to read the testimony on, on the app. Testim- Good morning. Testimony. On day 12 of me and my wife's fast, new job, 30% effective pay raise with no ceiling for potential earnings above the salary. It was all God. Within five days of applying for it, I had the offer. Congratulations, Brian. And I pray many people, by show of emoji hands, how many of you have a testimony already? And if not, you got half of it to go. And uh, also remember what I've taught. Sounds great, by the way. Also remember what I taught, that fasting is seeds that you plant, and uh, what, you don't necessarily reap them in the 21 days. You reap them all year long. You reap them in, in future years, but you're planting seeds, and the one thing that sure was seed time and harvest, you will reap. I, I like New Jersey. I like it a lot. Got great food. I think about food a lot the last uh, 12 days for some reason. Matthew chapter 9 is where I wanted to start. Matthew 9, verse 14. One day the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and asked him, why don't your disciples fast like we do and the Pharisees do? Jesus replied, Do wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken from them, and then they will fast. I'm going to read that again slower. Jesus said, who said it? Jesus. Not exactly a lightweight in the Christian faith. Juan said, best week in my business this far. That's great. Really great to hear. Marianne in Canada, so nice to have you join us. Christy in Hawaii. Really awesome. Uh, Scott in Virginia Beach. Glad, glad you're listening. Jesus said, Do wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. I want you to write that down. They will fast. Jesus, John the Baptist's disciples are always fasting. Your disciples are always eating. Jesus said, should the, should the groomsmen mourn <coughs> while they're with the bridegroom? You don't fast at a wedding. You know, there are places where it's inappropriate to fast. Now, during the 21 days, there's no places because we're on a 21-day fast. But I'm saying, we don't call the fast during Christmas time. We don't call the fast during Thanksgiving. The same God... The same God that commanded us to fast also uh, commanded feasts 
There's times of celebrating. So we, there are times where it would be inappropriate to fest. If you're uh, participating in a wedding as the groomsman, you don't sit at the head table with the groom and the bride and all the bridesmaids and you're sitting there sad in sackcloth, empty plate. Good morning, from, Sasha from Montreal. Glad you're here. No, Jesus said, no, the groomsmen don't mourn while they're with the bridegroom. But watch the second part. But one day... Riga, Latvia. Nice to have you. I'm praying for you over there. I saw how, how you have a government official going out of their way to persecute the church. So I want you to know I'm, I'm with you, brother. But one day, the bridegroom will be taken from them. Jesus will be taken from them. And in that day, they will fast. Good to have you from Ireland. We had somebody write us yesterday saying that they're trying to move here from Ireland uh, to attend the church. That'd be great. The more Irish, the better. Um, the, the opposite view that New York City business was held in the early 1800s. But we like the Irish here. They will fast. I want you to write that down. They will fast. I titled today, Three Great Things That Happened to Your Life When You Fast and Pray. But I want to I knock this out in the beginning. And it may end up being the whole teaching. Because... You actually don't get much resistance from unsaved people in fasting and prayer. But how many of you, by a show of emoji hand on the comments, since that's the only way I can, I can see you, how many of you have had resistance from Christians when it comes to fasting and prayer? I don't think you have to do that. You know, I'm talking real Christians. I'm not talking lukewarm, backslidden Christians. I'm, I'm astounded at how many ministers take shots at fasting and prayer. And basically their argument is something like this. Um, here, here's like the kind of mocking comments people will say. Well, the Bible says you have authority over the devil. You can fast 200 days. Doesn't give you any more authority over the devil. The Bible says that these signs will follow them that believe. They will lay their hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. Bible doesn't say, if you fast and pray, you'll lay your hands on the sick and they'll recover. It just says, because you're a believer. So the basic argument from the non-fasting and prayer crowd is because Jesus did his work on the cross, rose from the dead, and gave us all things, then there's nothing more we have to do physically to attain any of it. And I'm talking about good people. I'm talking about friends I have. And I want to deal, deal with this. Because they, it's not they have a viewpoint and I have a viewpoint. There is a correct view. And I'm going to tell you the correct view on fasting and prayer is what Jesus said. The day will come where the bridegroom will be taken from them. And then they will fast. They will fast. Not they might fast. Early church records show that the early church, the first century Book of Acts church, fasted two days a week. Based on Jesus saying, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees, uh, it's no good. And the Pharisees fasted one day a week. I, I want to put this to bed on this broadcast. Because I, it's, it's insane to me how you can have 
the entire body of Christ on a fast. Worldwide, South Korea, uh, Nigeria, Ghana, all over the world. Here in America, we're fasting. And you have ministers just Instagramming their meals. I'm talking well-known ministers. I don't get it. You know, I don't get it. It's one thing if you made up your mind. You know what? For whatever reason, I'm not fasting this year. When Adonis had been pregnant during, during the time of fasting and prayer, she ate, she was pregnant. But you're not just like blatantly showing the body of Christ, screw you and your time of fasting and prayer, I'm not on it. One guy, one guy that's very well known, part of what he showed as his meal was beans, was part of the meal. It's like, does that not ring a few biblical bells to you of Esau? foregoing his spiritual birthright because, so that he could have a bowl of beans? So which is it? Let's settle it today. Is fasting and prayer something that people do that don't have a proper understanding of what Jesus did for them? And so they're actually trying to do things in the flesh that don't need done? Or is fasting and prayer correct obedience to a scriptural teaching and one of the teachings of Christ for the disciples and something that puts you in line with the practice of the early church? Let's get to the bottom of it. And we might save three great things that happen in your life when you fast and pray for another day because I want to get to it. I want to settle it. I, I I have these questions when I hear people make little mocking comments, you know. These people, these people think uh, you got to fast all of January. If they just open their Bibles, they'd see all authority over the devil's already been given. Okay, here's what I want to ask you. All authority's been given. I agree. All power has been given, the Bible says. There's no more power over the devil to be given. You can't defeat the devil any harder then Jesus already gave, defeated him. All power's been given. We don't, we don't have to fast and pray to have any more power. Okay. Let's say you're, from your standpoint, Jesus did it all. We don't have to fast and pray. Why? Because the Bible says we already have all authority and all power. That we can do all things. So, let's prove your theory then. If I go to the blind institute, and have them bring me nine born blind people and line them up in front of you as a minister. Can you open all nine of their eyes like Jesus did? If I have the deaf school, the closest deaf school in Pittsburgh, bring all their students, can you open all their ears, all the people who are born deaf? If I have them bring three rows of people in wheelchairs, can you clear out all the wheelchairs? You say, well, can you? No, I can't, which is part of my motivation for fasting and praying. So I want to hear, yeah, no, we, can, we don't need to fast. No, part of the reason for fasting and prayer is though all things have been given, there is a consecration of your flesh body. The flesh warreth against the spirit.
The flesh warreth against the spirit. What kind of body was Jesus in? He was in a flesh body. So he, as with no earthly father, conceived of the Holy Spirit. Still had to fast and pray. And consecrate his body. Turn to Mark chapter 9. I'm going to deal with a couple things. I have questions for my anti-fasting crowd. And I'm not even going to deal <coughs> with weaseling out of fasting by find the kind of fast that's right for you. Maybe you can't fast food, so you might want to fast video games. Or Now listen, it's good. It's good to take time and not watch movies to set yourself apart to God. It's good to not watch... Uh, I'm, I'm not going to play video games, and I'm going to take the time I normally spend vi playing video games and, and uh, pray. That's good. That's consecration. That's sacrifice. But it's not fasting. The Hebrew word for fasting is T-S-O-M, which means to close the mouth, to abstain from food. Fast in the Bible we're not radio, television, movies, multimedia, social media. Bible fasting is fasting food. I don't know why people are emboldened to change what's clearly written in the Bible. Why the aversion to doing what the Bible said? Why? I want to know. Why, why, the, the, why be dead set on altering what the Bible clearly said was to be a Christian discipline. I'd like to know. I've heard the arguments and they're stupid, so I'm going to address them. Well, I know somebody that fasted and did a lot of damage to their body. Okay, that's their problem. They don't know how to fast. I know a guy who lived here in my city, who broke a 21-day water fast with a Wendy's triple cheeseburger and went to the intensive care unit for three days. It doesn't stop me from fasting properly and not breaking it with a Wendy's triple cheeseburger. Just because there's people that do things, that's actually a line of thinking that causes a lot of spiritual things to get thrown in the dumpster in church. Well, you know, I knew a lady, she used to give words all the time. She was weird. It would disrupt the service. So now we don't really allow prophetic words. No. Correct error, but never throw out the thing from Scripture. Tyler just wrote on YouTube, I've received $7,000 in less than 24 hours after partnering with Revival Today on this fast. That's, a, that's powerful. I'm not saying this sarcastically, but I would say, if you could answer the first thing that I asked, by, by the way, it probably should cover this. For every, for every week you spend on a fast, you should take a day to come off the fast. If you're breaking every night at six, it's different. Basically, the measurement is if you're still going number two, then you're okay. But if you're not, and your digestive system is, has shut down, 
then you need to ease back into eating. Like a noodle soup the first day. And small portions. And work your way into it. So for a 21-day fast, you take three full days to get back into it. And actually, while I'm just freelancing here, this is an excellent time to cut things out of your life permanently. My nephew was telling me that he had a soda after they broke at six, and he could taste like all the chemicals in the Coke. And then he thought, you know what? I'm done with this. Because you're going to, the, all the artificial chemical crap that's in, uh, that's in food that shouldn't be in it, you're going to taste it coming off. You can taste everything coming off a of fast. I think this salt is from the Iranian salt mines. It tastes different than American salt. You can, I mean, you can taste literally every ingredient in the food. I used to love drinking Mountain Dew. I'd have like three cans a day. And I came off a fast, went to have my first Mountain Dew, and I could taste all. It tasted like tin to me. Don't ask me why I know what tin tastes like. I guess I must have licked it when I was a kid or something. And I, uh, I thought, well, let me power through it. I'll drink more and I'll get used to it. I thought, what am I doing? This is, this is an opportunity to cut garbage out of my, out of my diet. Think of this, you know, you're already not eating anything. Or at the least, you're not eating until 6 p.m. So how easy would it be after the fast is over to begin eating at 2 p.m. but still take the mornings off and have water and clear type 2 diabetes out. Give, give your body time to process food. 6 to 6 fast for the people. Miss Grace. Wow. Michael said, my company just announced biggest payout of bonus in over 10 years, plus I'm getting double the first quarter. God's people are not going to suffer this year. It puts you on a different track, for sure. And I'll talk about coming off the fast when we get close to coming off the fast. We still have about half of it to go. So anyway, I got ready to say, thanks, AJ. I, um, I'm not saying this sarcastically. But to my we have all authority, we have all power crowd. Every person that's sick or diseased that comes into your presence and you pray for, you have almost 100% success rate. And I know people say, well, in Mark chapter 6, Jesus could do no mighty miracles. I understand that. That was one passage. So I'm not saying 100%. But like Jesus, basically, you're, I want to ask you this. Can you say, like was said about Jesus in the scriptures, they brought unto him all the sick. And no matter what their sickness or what their disease, he healed them all. Can they say that about Jonathan Shuttlesworth? They brought unto Jonathan all the sick of the city. And no matter what their sickness or what their disease, one touch from his hand healed them all. Not yet they can't. We have a lot of people get healed. We have more and more people getting healed. And a greater, uh, uh, like, like you saw the testimony of the boy with the eye that was destroyed and then could see out of it in California. 
the kid with the tumors in his arm, but not 100% to my shame. And it'd be, well, well, you know, it's probably the people's faith. Hey, maybe it is. Then I should preach better. I should have a stronger gift of faith to overwhelm their unbelief. Jesus didn't say to that boy's father in Mark chapter 9 when he said, uh, help us if you can. Well, see, you have unbelief. No wonder your, your son's struggling. No, Jesus rebuked his unbelief and then healed the boy. So Jesus carried something where he could overwhelm unbelief, obstacles to, to, to miracles. Even in the passage, the favorite passage of people who love to excuse lack of results. And Jesus could do no mighty miracles there because of their unbelief. What's the next line? Except to lay his hands on a few sick and see them recover. So even in the midst of severe unbelief, he was still able to lay his hands on the sick and see them recover. So let's face facts. Let's face reality. Does every believer have the potential that the sick that are brought to a meeting to see all of them healed? Yes, they do. Matthew chapter 10. <coughs> Jesus called his disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits, to heal every kind of disease and illness. Here are the names of the 12 apostles, and it lists them. Verse 5, then Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or to the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal their sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse the lepers. Cast out devils. Freely you've received. Freely give. Madeline wrote uh, from South Africa. Every believer has the potential to heal all the sick. That's a correct Bible statement. And Matthew chapter 10 is not the only place that you, you, you have the ability to support that from. As the Father sent me, so send I you. Before Jesus began his miracle ministry, he went and got anointed with the Holy Ghost and power. The same Holy Ghost and power that he got anointed with in Luke 4 is the same one given to us. There's not two Holy Spirits. There wasn't one for Jesus and one for us. The same Holy Spirit who anointed Jesus has anointed the believers. But Jesus fasted and prayed. And Jesus said, this is A.A. Allen's revelation. The servant is not greater than the master. I want you to write that down in your notes and write it in the comments. The servant is not greater than the master. The student is not greater than the teacher. What does that mean? Please don't miss this. It's foolish to expect Christ's results and ignore Christ's consecration. It's foolish to expect Christ's results and ignore Christ's consecration. If you're going to do what the master did, you have to do what the master did. And Jesus often withdrew to pray. Jesus often was in fasting and prayer. 
You can't skip that part and then think you're going to have recreative miracles. Somebody come with a deformed hand. Think of this. Jesus had somebody come with a deformed hand. What did he say? Well, Lord, we just ask you to help them to learn to live, you know, give them strength. No, stretch forth your hand. And when the man stretched forth his hand, immediately his hand was recreated. The servant's not greater than the master. He spent his time consecrating his body, making the flesh that wars against the spirit die out. There's no substitute for that. Fasting. Putting the flesh to death. And prayer. Building your spirit man. He that prays in an unknown tongue speaks mysteries unto men. But gives it to God. And builds himself up in the process. Why do your disciples not fast? Do the groomsmen mourn while they're with the bridegroom? No. But one day, Matthew chapter 9, one day the bridegroom will be taken from them, and then they will fast. That's Jesus speaking. Turn to Acts chapter 13. Actually, Mark 9 and then Acts 13. Mark 9, 14. When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them. And some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. What's all this arguing about, Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He's possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they could not do it. Had Jesus given the disciples authority over all sickness and disease? Yes, he did. But were they able to heal this boy? No, they weren't. Jesus is going to tell you why. Jesus said, you faithless people. I want you to write the... What, what are the reasons, what are the main reasons there's a lack of power demonstrated? Write this down. Number one, faithlessness. And it's true. Fasting a hundred days a year is not a substitute for having faith in God's word. But you don't have to pick one or the other. Welcome from Trinidad. Why do you think every day of this fast, what have we been in? The word. Because what builds faith? Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied since he was a little boy. The spirit often throws him into the fire or into water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean if I can, Jesus said. All things are possible to him who believes. There Jesus puts the bullseye on faith again. And a person 
Now, that's two times, and I think he's going to mention it at the end. Could you make the argument that faith is three times more important than fasting and prayer? Certainly you could. A person who has faith in God's Word and doesn't fast will have a better life and better results than a person that fasts and prays all the time and has unbelief. It won't work. Without faith, it doesn't say without fasting it's impossible to please God. It says without faith it's impossible to please God. But I want you to, to write this down and I want you to say it where you're at. You don't have to pick one or the other. It's like when people say, what would you rather have? The fruit of the Spirit in operation or the gifts of the Spirit in operation? Well, that's like saying, what would you rather do? Not eat or not breathe? Whichever one you pick, you're going to die. You need both. You need the fruit of the Spirit and you need the gifts of the Spirit. And you need faith. And you need to give that faith expression in fasting and prayer. You don't pick. And usually when people knock fasting and prayer, it's a false either or. Some people like to fast and pray. I like to spend time in the Word. You ever think about doing both? Some people pray nine hours a day, but they don't have any faith. I'm a Word man. Why don't you be a Word man and a praying man? Jesus was both. Did Jesus have faith? Yes, he did. Did Jesus fast and pray? Yes, he did. Don't, don't listen to logical fallacies. False either ors. What would you rather do? Be somebody that fasts all the time, doesn't know what the Bible says, or be somebody that has a good command of the word? Uh, both. I'd rather fast and pray and build the word into my spirit crucify my flesh through fasting, and build my spirit man through prayer and praying in the spirit. I don't have to pick one or the other. Nice to have everybody on. Another great crowd today. Makes me happy to, to, to join with you every day. God bless you from Montana, Christine. Glad you're on. All things are possible to him who believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me to overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed, <coughs> threw the boy into another violent convulsion, and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet, and he stood up. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why could we not cast out the evil spirit? The spirit that made this boy deaf and mute, that the father brought him to us, why were we unable to do it? Jesus replied, King James Version, this kind cometh not out, but by prayer and fasting. And he wasn't talking about unbelief. They said, why couldn't this, why were we unable, we've cast out demons before, why couldn't we cast out this evil spirit? It tells you what the subject of the sentence is. It's not this kind of unbelief, it's this kind of, this kind of spirit. Let me see if Dake has a note on it.
No, he just said that this proves there's different kinds of demon spirits. Let me see if he has a note on Ma Ma the same stories in Matthew 17. <coughs> I want to see if he says something about that. Matthew 17, 21. Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. He's got a note on both, R and S. Implying different kinds of demons and different degrees of power to cast them out, which is true. See fasting and prayer, the cure for unbelief, 1043 in the Old Testament. Yeah, let's see it. Oh, I have it marked. Must have read this before. See it. The disciples asked the Lord why they could not heal a lunatic boy. Jesus said, because of your unbelief. Howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. Matthew 17, 14 to 21. Faith needs prayer for its development and full growth, and prayer needs fasting for the same reason. Fasting has done wonders when used in combination with prayer and faith. This is a biblical doctrine. To fast means to abstain from food, that which caused the fall of man. Fasting humbles the soul before God, Psalm 35, 13, chastens the soul, Psalm 69, 10, and crucifies the appetites and denies them so as to give the entire time to prayer, 2 Samuel 12, 16 to 23, Matthew 4, 1 to 11. It manifests earnestness before God to the exclusion of all else, shows obedience, and gives the digestive system a rest demonstrates the mastery of a man over his appetites, aids in victory over temptation, helps to attain power over demons, develops faith, crucifies unbelief, and aids in prayer. All believers are supposed to fast, but no regulations or set rules are given as to how long or how often. That's Bible doctrine. Classic Pentecostal doctrine. A choice to not fast and pray is a choice to remain useless when faced with a certain level of demonic opposition in your life and ministry. A choice to not fast and pray is a choice to remain powerless when facing a certain type of demonic opposition and resistance. And there's a certain level of miracles you won't see in your ministry. You know, if you want the hallmark of your ministry to be to pray for people that have bad dreams to be able to sleep through the night, you can do that without fasting and prayer. But if you want to see Cancer disappear from people's body. Spirits of fear leave. I'll tell you a story. You know, this is the kind of stuff that propels me to continue fasting and prayer. Fast, uh, uh, fasting and praying. I was preaching a district youth camp for a full gospel denomination. 
a young man waited after the service for me. And he looked shy. And then he was standing like 15 feet away. So I didn't want to assume he wanted to talk to me, but I figured I'd ask. I said, are you waiting to talk to me before I leave? He said, yeah. I said, well, go ahead. He said, uh, well, I wanted to tell you I'm a homosexual. Or I, I guess I'll say I was a homosexual. He said, when someone invited me to this, uh, whatever the, uh, what did I say it was? District uh, conference. I was sitting in the front row, and you know how I walk around when I preach. When you walked by me, this is his words, it felt like there was a man who lived in me who liked other men, and he left. And I don't feel any attraction to men. That's called a demon spirit. There's demons of sexual immorality. Maybe the end of my YouTube channel. Don't care. It's demonic. I never prayed for him. I wasn't preaching against homosexuality. But I was carrying something that when I walked by him, the demon that was in him had to leave without ever casting it out. That's, those are the kinds of adventures that start to take place when you fast and pray. It's a mastery over demon spirits. I'm going to deal with that. Cindy said, I've been watching Kenneth Hagin. I was wondering what a fasted life means. I'm going to deal with fasted life. Because that's the argument people make that don't fast. I live a fasted life. First of all, I've never met anybody who says they live a fasted life that weighs under 260 pounds. That's a fact. And I'm not talking about Brother Hagen, because Brother Hagen said he lived a fasted life, but he fasted, and I'm going to deal with it. Number one, did Jesus fast? Yes, he did. Well, the people that are anti-committed eaters... We'll say, well, Jesus fasted because he hadn't done his redemptive work yet. Okay. Acts 13. Acts chapter 13, verse 1. Among the prophets and teachers of the church of, at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Manaen, and Saul. One day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting. What were they doing? Worshiping the Lord and fasting. The Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I've called them. So after more fasting and prayer, there's that pesky word again, the men laid their hands on them and sent, set them on their way. Jesus fasted? Yeah, but that's because he hadn't done his redemptive work, but then once he died on the cross and rose from the dead and took the keys, we have all dominion and power, which we don't have to fast. Oh, well, too bad Paul didn't have as good an understanding of the word of God as you. No. Did Paul know less than you or more than you? I would say more than you. I would say he had, the, he had a greater ministry than yours. And he fasted. His ministry was birthed out of fasting and prayer post-resurrection. Now, I close with this. Let's deal, because this, this is the thing, I would say, that's caused faith people, of which I'm one, to avoid fasting and prayer. Brother Hagen taught 
towards the end of his life. He has a book called A Common Sense Guide to Fasting. <coughs> and in that book, he said, I don't fast. I live a fasted life. In other words, I just eat a little bit at every meal. <coughs> well, he, so what's my take on that as someone who reveres Brother Hagin? And I mean reveres Brother Hagin. Wait right here. I'm going to be right back. I'm going to show you something. I have a, a private hallway that I walk down when I come to the platform to preach. And they hung pictures up of great men of God because I want to see them on my way to the pulpit to remember the legacy that I'm carrying. The price people paid to bring this to America. And here's one of the pictures I walk by every day I go to preach. I love this man. So... What do I say about him saying that he lives a fasted life and discouraging people fr from doing the type of thing we're doing right now? Well, Brother Hagen had more to say than what he said in Common Sense, uh, 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 A Common Sense Guide to Fasting. <coughs> I've listened to everything that man has preached and taught and re-listened. And anyone who has, has heard him say, for the first couple decades of his ministry, he fasted every Monday and every Wednesday. So the people that use Brother Hagen as an excuse to not fast, Brother Hagen fasted. Brother Hagen said he lived a fasted life. Yeah, that's what he said when he was old, but not when he was young. I fasted every Monday. And every Wednesday, what do you say, for 20 years? So don't tell me Brother Hagen didn't fast. You don't know what you're talking about. T.L. Osborne said the same thing, Brother Hagen. I want you to listen to me because I'm going to cover this. T.L. Osborne, whom I love, discouraged long fasts. But if you listen to his testimony, when did Jesus meet with T.L. Osborne? What was he doing? He was on a long fast to begin his ministry. So don't tell me T.L. Osborne lived a fasted life. He did extended fasting, and it's what birthed his ministry. A.A. Allen fasted. Oral Roberts fasted. Lester Summerall fasted. Why did these guys teach living a fasted life. Do you know what was going on when Brother Hagen was teaching living a fasted life? A man wrote a book about fasting. Frank, Franklin Hall. A Atomic Power Through Fasting and Prayer. It was a good book. Then he wrote a second book. And in the second book, all Pentecostals bought it, faith people bought it. He got into weird doctrine. He started talking about the benefits of a hundred day fast. Bunch of stuff that's not in the Bible. And so 
Christians started doing that, getting into weird doctrine about fasting and prayer. And so to counter that, Hagen, Osborne, went the other direction. No, you don't have to fast 100 days. That's what they were addressing. But I'm going to tell you something. Now, if Jesus tarries and you're watching this video 35 years down the road, this might not be the case. But right now, in 2022, we don't have a problem in the body of Christ of excess fasting. Most people have never fasted ever. If they've been a Christian for 40 years, they've never fasted one day. So we're not dealing. And that's what I wonder sometimes. You listen to people talk. You think we have this great problem in church of everybody fasting all the time and messing themselves up. Listen, you need to be careful. People aren't fasting. People are as big as a house. There there is an obesity. They call it an obesity epidemic in America. Huge, fat kids. Kids getting type 2 diabetes when they're 9 and 11 from just... Gluttony. Gluttony. A sin, a sin you don't hear talked about in this country. You'd empty your church out. Gluttony. Eating all the time. I need to eat. You know, if I don't have anything by 11 a.m., you know, I, I, it messes my system up. I, I, I can't really concentrate. You got a problem. The Bible talks about people whose God is their belly. That's in the Bible. We don't have a problem with people fasting. We have a a problem with people eating. So don't tell me Brother Hagen said, said he lived a fasted life. At the end he did, not in the beginning. 20 years every Monday and Wednesday. I'm going to tell you something. If you want to fast every Monday and Wednesday for 20 years and then not participate in our 21-day fast after that and say, I live a fasted life, knock yourself out. I'm sick of people using Brother Hagen as an excuse to not fast when he fasted. T.L. Osborne fasted. All the, look, look at him. There was hardly anything to him. He had the body of somebody who fasts all the time. So I think I've dealt with it. Moses fasted. Elijah fasted. David fasted. Jesus fasted. The early church fasted. The apostle Paul fasted. Brother Hagen fasted. Lester Summerall fasted. A.A. Allen was a fasting addict. Oral Roberts fasted. If I didn't mention Lester Summerall, Lester Summerall fasted. That's my company. And if you have a different doctrine on fasting and prayer, then I want to see your miracles that outperform their miracles. I want to see that you're outperforming Jesus. Otherwise, you've just come up with a clever way to cherry pick the Bible so you can keep stuff in your face. Do you ever think there's a connection? between pushing fasting away and growing up in church for 18 years and never seeing one person healed? 
no power, no blind eyes, no deaf ears, no crippled limbs, no cancer healed. Until I have a ministry that exceeds Christ in scope and power and exceeds Paul's in scope and power, I'm not going to mess with what Christ and Paul taught and did. That would be foolish. So if you're a minister and you want to put on Instagram everything you're eating during the fast, fine. But I also now don't wonder why when they say there's a disease, not only can you not heal it, you have to shut your church down till it goes away. Don't tell me or make me feel like I'm lesser because I fast and pray. I'm not wrong. It's a correct practice. You are missing a key element of your Christianity until you commit to fast and pray. There's a power element of your Christianity that won't be in place. Until you fast and pray. I want you to get a book ready <coughs> up in the control room. The A.A. Allen book, The Price of God's Miracle Working Power. And I want to put that in people's hands today. This, this will fortify what I taught to you because you're talking about a man that had major miracles. And he tells you the revelation the Lord gave him my church closed last night due to sickness. We're type, I don't want to know the name of the church, but I would just like to know where you live, what the city or state is, where, where a church is still closing. <coughs> Good job, Lindsay. So, <clears throat> I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this to get on a pedestal and say, like, I'm better than everybody else that's, that's not fasting. But I, it, I, found it, I find it insane that people not only don't fast, P.J. Oliveira, uh, David DeMola's son-in-law, who built, Pastor David DeMola built the largest faith church in the northeast of the United States. Went home to be with the Lord a couple years ago. He said he would always say, I would have never have been able to do what I did if I didn't fast and pray. Anyway, I, I'm not doing this to say I'm better than the people that don't, but I'm not, I'm not the one taking shots. It's amazing that people that don't fast have the nerve to not join the body of Christ in prayer and fasting and then mock people who fast and pray. As if what we do is unbiblical. And if we had a better understanding of our covenant, we wouldn't have to fast and pray. You're wrong. I just proved you're wrong. Overproved it. You've got no scriptural ground to stand on. And the people you claim to follow didn't live the life the, the live life the way that you do.
What is the best method to fasting when in a, when in a strenuous trade? My brother-in-law, Abel, is a construction worker. We did a hundred-day fast with the Redeemed Church of God, Redeemed Christian Church of God, six to six. Pastor Enoch Attaboya called it. If you did 21, if you did 30 without breaking, you didn't have to do the hundred. You could just do 30 without breaking. But Adalis, Mogalis, and Abel, and Peter lived with me at the time, all did, all did it for 100 days, into April. By the time Abel was about two-thirds of the way through that 100-day fast, six to six, his construction company had turned into three construction groups that were simultaneously doing three commercial jobs in downtown Pittsburgh. From, from a bathroom renovation and kitchen renovation here and there, to massive jobs all over the city. They were the skinniest construction crew you ever would see in your life. But that's why I gave you six to six. Six to six is doable. And I get it. Andrew said, I'm an HVAC tech in Florida. That's rough. That's like standing on the surface of the sun on roofs in Florida. But you do it. You can drink. And you must drink. Water. Juice. You can have breakfast 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. before you start your day. But 6 to 6, you fast. And then you can, you can eat at 6 p.m. Somebody said some people fast with wrong motives and others do it just to show off. That's right. But it doesn't mean you can't do it right. How many of you were helped by today? Bridget said the devil doesn't want you to fast. Absolutely. Jeanette said, Pastor David DeMola's church, Faith Fellowship World Outreach Center, was awesome. He had over 10,000 members in 1987. I was a part of this church. Can you scroll up a little on the app? From 1985 to 1988, and I moved to Pennsylvania in 88. And he said, it would have never happened without fasting and prayer. Does Bishop David Oyadepo fast and pray? The church does one day a week, three days a month, and 21 days to start the year. Did Young E. Cho fast and pray? Yeah. Okay, so who are you? <laughs> I don't believe in fasting and prayer. I've never heard of you. Who are you? Do you have the largest church in the world? Then shut up. You think you know more than these people? <laughs> the arrogance. The arrogance. I know more than Jesus. I know more than Paul. I know more than Bishop Oyedepo. I know more than Pastor Adeboye. Pastor Adeboye has a two-mile-long by two-mile-wide building that he just called a 50-day fast, six to six. He's 80. You know more than him? You think he has a poor command of Scripture? With your little rinky-dink ministry, stuff in your face? Probably be a good note to end on. I want to give you this book as a thank you for, uh, for giving today. And I want to put this in your hand. This is called The Price of God's Miracle Working Power by A.A. A. Allen. It's the 11 things God showed him.
that birthed his nation-shaking miracle ministry. The price of God's miracle working power. And again, to all my friends that live a fasted life, I never, I just don't eat that much. Yeah, it's interesting. Because your body betrays you. Your body mass index tells another story. I'm going to give this book to everyone who sews today, along with my cousin's two books on prayer and fasting. So today you get a bonus book. And then to the 66 people who God speaks to, to sow a $10,000 seed, I'm going to send you 66 books as a way to say thank you that are life-changing books. Here's the ways to give. Hashtag donate on Facebook. <coughs> you can go to our website, revivaltoday.com, and click give now. LD wrote, I bought a house, lost weight, and have maintained. It's amazing. I'd had headaches for 14 years, and now they're all gone. Let me tell you, I started fasting and praying as far as extended ones when I was 20 or 21. I'm not still doing it because it doesn't work. <laughs> I'm sitting in a $5 million office complex for free because the Lord spoke to the owners to give it. Connect the dots. Hashtag donate on Facebook. Text RT to 50155. Cash app dollar sign RT give. Thank you, Rick. Venmo at RT give. PayPal, revivaltoday.com slash PayPal. If you would like to give by cryptocurrency, you can scan that QR code. I'll give you a few seconds to do that. Thank you, Chad and Danette. God bless you. God bless everyone who gives today. I'm going to pray for you before we end the broadcast. If you want to use the U.S. Postal Service or the Postal Service, whatever country you're in, Revival Today is who you make it out to, P.O. Box 7. Prosperity, Pennsylvania, 15321. If you want to do it by phone, no problem. 412-446-2332. Internationally, plus one, 412-446-2332. Don't forget to claim your offer at revivaltoday.com. Claim my offer. Don't, don't forget that. After you give, do that. 412-446-2332. 
to ensure we have uh, the information we need to mail you the gifts. I want to put those in your hands, and I want to do it right now. Thank you for partnering with us, Christy. Yeah, you know, you can get, put it back on me. I'm not wrong. I'm in good company. I like the people I'm standing with. Cho, Ataboye, Oyadepo, A.A. Allen, Jesus, Paul. I like the guys that are on my side. You can stand with your skinny, affected jeans, tunic tee, stainless steel chain guy that has, like, cool lights and stuff and has never had anybody healed of the sniffles. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.